On today's episode of Star Wars The Hyra Podcast, we delve into a bunch of news coming out of Comic-Con, as well as more details on the High Republic characters. Hi everyone, this is Corey. Welcome back to Star Wars The Hyra Podcast. We have a lot of news coming out of Comic-Con um, regarding Lucasfilm Publishing, and we have more news kind of on its way. We know that we're supposed to be hearing more details about the upcoming Star Wars VR game, Tales from the Galaxy's Edge, and I think that news is supposed to come out um, later today as I'm filming this, or taping this rather. So um, I wanted to get a quick podcast in talking about the Comic-Con news that we got, as well as some other news that's been posted about the High Republic on StarWars.com, and also talk a little bit about the Afra audio um, drama, which I have been listening to, but don't really have any more time on this week's podcasts to discuss. So anyway, let's jump into some of the news from um, Comic-Con. We did hear about a couple um, new upcoming books that are more kind of visual type guides. So we have one um, on lightsabers called the Lightsaber Collection, um, which definitely looks cool and, and seems like something that I will at the very least borrow from the library, if not purchase. Um, it It's uh, unclear to me like exactly kind of how how detailed this is going to be, but it's supposed to be an unprecedented look at um, all of the lightsabers that we've seen. I assume not just from the films, but from all other uh, parts of, of Star Wars lore. Um, we also got a new look at a bunch of the comics from IDW, um, you know, including the um, Vader's Castle stuff. We got things from Star Wars Adventures, um, so that was interesting as well. But the other book that, that um, I mentioned as far as a visual type guide is The Art of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Now, this definitely looks cool um, and something that I will definitely have to check out. I've been kind of uh, hesitant to do too much digging on Galaxy's Edge, so pretty much I went to Disney um, unintentionally. I had a three-day accidental layover in Orlando, and I went to Disney like a month before Galaxy's Edge opened last year. And now, especially with everything that's going on in the world, I will not be headed back to Disney anytime soon, unfortunately. So um, I'm I'm kind of like waiting, like I'm I'm missing out on Galaxy's Edge, and I don't want to have like a ton of spoilers. So I haven't really watched like a ton of in-depth stuff on Galaxy's Edge because I don't want to have everything kind of you know ruined for me before I go. On the other hand, this book looks really cool, and I love seeing the art of um, the, the films and the video games and everything else, so I'm definitely going to have to check this one out. It's just a question of, of whether I, I wait until I finally get back to Disney or if I, if I go ahead and dive in, um, but it really is going to be cool to see how they designed everything for a theme park since this is the first and possibly only, you know, slash last Star Wars theme park. Um, so this is a unique, um, you know, production that they did to create this world. And uh, it will be, um, you know, a unique look at how they designed something to be actually like l not lived in, but walked around in versus it just being, you know, a, a movie set, which obviously is a much different thing. So that's definitely cool. Now, we didn't get much in terms of High Republic stuff um, at the Comic-Con panel, but we did learn a little bit more about the High Republic A Test of Courage. That's the um, the junior novel coming from Justina Ireland, who recently wrote the junior novel Spark of the Resistance. And so um, this book is, um, 
you know, we we can see just from the cover and from what little we know that it obviously is another story that's focused on the Jedi. Pretty much all of the stories that have been announced so far um, at least seems to have Jedi as major figures, even if they're not the only figures in these stories, which makes sense at least as a starting point for the High Republic since, you know, we're supposed to be seeing the Jedi in their heyday. That's kind of how it's being built. So it makes sense that the Jedi are the focus. However, here we also see that in this... Um, in this book, we are going to be learning about an ancestor of Sana Staros. So this connects really nicely to the, the Afra um, audiobook. Sana Staros, for those who don't know, is a character who has come up in the main Star Wars comic line as well as the Afra comic line. Um, this is Han Solo's ex-wife, possibly. Um, they have a, a kind of staged um, marriage, the legality of which is not made totally clear or at least not agreed upon by the characters but Zana Staros was an associate of Han Solo and ends up helping the rebellion um ends up having you know some kind of a romantic entanglement with Dr. Afra as well and so now we're going to see one of her um ancestors I think that it's cool that they're playing into like the lineage of a character who's not particularly known. Um, as I've mentioned on past discussions on the High Republic, I hope that we don't see that every character is related obscurely to someone in you know our current Star Wars canon. But from time to time, I think it's cool. I also it's just interesting that they're focusing on a character who's not particularly well known, and then we have the same thing with Afro with you know doing this audio drama, which I think is a way of trying to bring recognition to the character for those who don't already know her from the comics. And so it seems like they're kind of, you know, those are two characters that are getting extra investment and attention lately, and I'm not sure if that points to anything in particular, like, around them, um, you know, Disney seeing more more of a role for them to, to play in the future of Star Wars, or if it's, you know, just just a kind of coincidence, but it is interesting. Um, if I had to guess, just by looking at the cover of the book, I would guess that um, Sana Staros is uh, her ancestor. In in this depiction, is kind of the person. Um, if you if you Google the cover, um, it's the person with kind of the the goggles and the the adventurer look. Um, because the rest of the folks are are Jedi who could be related to Sana Staros, but I think it makes more sense that it would be a fellow adventurer. Um, and also this person kind of matches, um, her, some of her look from the comic and her like skin tone. And, um, I can just easily see this being, you know, a relative of Sana Staros. So I'm guessing that's going to be who, who the relative is. But, um, from the little description I read, it's not entirely, uh, clear. Now, the other thing that we heard a little bit more about um, were the two anthologies that we have coming out. Um, we have, uh, of course, the the Clone Wars anthology called Stories of Light and Dark, um, which uh, had been announced a fair amount of time ago. I'm not sure exactly when it got announced. And then also, from a certain point of view, The Empire Strikes Back. And this book had been long rumored, but only got uh, announced recently around the time of the, the 40th anniversary. Um, and so we have these two anthologies coming out, which I'll definitely be reading and covering here on the podcast. Um, should be interesting, but, uh, you know, it's another um, another area where I kind of like to be surprised almost. I don't really need to know all the details. I think one of the really fun things about listening to the original um, from a certain point of view based on A New Hope was like going in without totally knowing who was doing all of the, the voices and, um, and you know, not knowing exactly which 
story each author was writing about. And then since I listened to the audiobook, you know, I had to kind of go back and look at the list later and, and sometimes be surprised by, you know, who had, um, who had written or voiced certain things. So these are both things to get, um, to get excited about. I think, uh, the, from a certain point of view, the, the first book, you know, there, there were stories that interested me more and stories that interested me less. But I think the great thing about an anthology like that is you can just kind of skip over the ones that you don't particularly care about or listen to them in the background. And then when they get to a character or an event that you, um, thought was really interesting or just an author that you really like, you know, you can, you can focus in more and, and pay more attention. But I do really like how, um, this from a certain point of view book, and I assume that the new one on Empire, I like how they, um, it does connect and go linearly through the story. So you're not just getting a random collection. You're actually getting the whole story retold, but from the perspectives of certain individuals, whether they are, very well-known and important characters or people that were totally in the background or that you couldn't even see but who were operating behind the scenes. So I really like that. I'm sure that The Empire Strikes Back, um, from a certain point of view, is going to follow that same pattern. I don't know much about the Clone Wars stories of light and dark. I know that some of these, um, you know, are, are kind of retellings of stories that we got. Some of them may be things that we didn't quite get to see when the series was cut short. I'm not sure if there's going to be any kind of a, you know, a chronological or thematic ordering to the stories or if it's just going to be a collection. There are a lot fewer of the stories. So for The Empire Strikes Back, since we're celebrating 40 years, it's 40 stories, which is exactly the same structure as the one they did for A New Hope. Whereas the the Clone Wars um, anthology, I think, has something like 10 or 12 stories in it. So it's not quite as essential that it have, you know, some kind of a, a structure beyond just a, a mixture of, of interesting stories. So we'll see how, how that one is. But um, that one's actually coming out pretty soon. And then um, the Empire Strikes Back one will be out in the in the fall, I believe. So we have those to look forward to as well. Um, anyway, I'm going to take a quick break and then I want to come back and talk a little bit about the other um, news that we got from uh, StarWars.com on some of the characters from the High Republic era, since that is my you know main focus of this podcast whenever we eventually uh, get the High Republic era content. And then I'm just going to talk a little bit about the Afra audio drama, which I'm still kind of reading um, and very much enjoying as I go along. So stay tuned and I'll be right back. Okay, so let's get to that news about Star Wars The High Republic. We got a look at two more characters this week. I think that this was our first in-depth look at characters since April, um, but I may be mistaken on that. Anyway, um, we got a look at, uh, I'm going to try to pronounce his name as Seeker. It's S.S. K-E-E-R, and he is a Trandoshan Jedi um, with a very cool-looking um, blue lightsaber blade. And interestingly, the, the handle, it looks like it kind of uh, holds your hand in place, kind of like a, like a pirate sword might. Um, Trandoshans have very big um, claw clawed fingers so he looks kind of funny holding it um but i just love all of the concept art that we're getting from this uh from this new line of publishing and and i like seeing that but it's uh it is a little bit funny to look at i mean i think in general we think of Trandoshans as not having a very jedi like personality and that's kind of what they get into here in the description that 
you know, there are Jedi like Obi-Wan and Yoda who were understanding and thoughtful, respected the opinions of others. And then there's Seeker, and uh, he has a very different perspective, um, very uh, gruff, brutally honest, says what's on his mind. And so he has a very different um, kind of perspective and uh, I guess just, you know, personality. And it, it specifically kind of goes on to contrast him um, with uh, Avar Chris, who is kind of the, you know, supposed to be like the, I think the most exemplary of the Jedi Knights. Um, but it says that there's a secret that he is holding that's going to um, going to tear things apart. They also note that he is uh, part of the comic book series, that he plays a leading role in the comic book series. I'm sure that he could pop up other places too, but, um, but that's where... Um, where at least we, we know right now that this character is going to be um, playing a role. So far from the comic book art, we I mean, we only got a few covers and stuff, and we didn't see many Jedi pictured there. Um, I think that we had the, the villains pictured on the, you know, the Marvel comic line. Um, so this is interesting to hear a little bit about a Jedi who is going to be um, in the comic line. I'm sure there will be many more, um, but he is is one of them. Now, we also got a little bit more information on some other new characters, Marlon Ivelis Santeca. So yes, these are the relatives of Lor Santeca. Um, we are learning here in this little description that they dropped that the Santecas, you know, are a, um, a very important galactic family, um, that they were a, um, a dynasty at the forefront of technologies and techniques, basically played a main role in the galactic expansion that we know is going on at this point. This does make sense thinking back to the um, Rise of Kylo Ren comic that we got where we see Lor Santeca traveling with Luke and a young Ben Solo going out to um, to investigate a Jedi outpost from the High Republic era. Lor Santeca knows about this. At the time, I thought that the connection was really more just that, you know, Lor Santeca is, um, is someone to whom the Force and the Jedi are very important. Like, that's, that's clear from what we know about him so far from the Poe Dameron comics and um, from The Force Awakens. But apparently, that also has something to do with the fact that his family played a key role in helping this expansion to happen. Um, it says that the Santecas also have a secret, um, that their rise did not come without a cost. So to me, that sounds like uh, we're going to see a, you know, a darker side to the Santecas too. We, I think we see Lor Santeca as being very much kind of a noble, um, you know, uh, someone who's there to help our, our heroes on their journey, someone who plays a role um, kind of like Obi-Wan did in the original trilogy where, you know, his he he's passing on knowledge um kind of helping the the past to survive despite um you know dark circumstances definitely you know kind of a hero role and someone who's basically living as you know a hermit on Jakku um you know he just all, overall like a very um admirable type of character. So apparently we're going to see that not all members of his family were, were quite the same. It sounds like they, they certainly have some good qualities to them, but also have um, some things to hide. So um, we're going to learn a lot more about the, the Santeca clan, and I think it will be interesting that they're kind of connected all over the place now. It says that they are, you know, they're politically closely connected to Chancellor Lena So. They're also, um, you know, at least his, at least later in history, they're they're connected to the Jedi with Lor Santeca being very interested in that. Um, and then, you know, we're we're seeing now that maybe they have 
some kind of a connection to the the darker underworld elements of Star Wars society, you know, they doing something that they weren't supposed to be doing. So it it seems like this is going to be um you know, uh like a more complicated and in-depth storyline and not just uh, a little cameo of, you know, someone who had been related to Lor Santeca. So, uh I think that that is um, that that's going to be interesting. Now, I know that, you know, I've only talked about a couple little details from the High Republic today, and among those few little details, we have two characters who relate back to characters from, you know, our current Star Wars timeline and canon, um, but I don't think that it's going to be every other character is related to someone that we already know. I think that they're just leading with a lot of those details because those are the things that kind of make sense, um, out of context without having delved into all of these new stories, I would guess that 95% of the characters um, that we're going to meet in the High Republic era are going to be totally new characters, and they're just kind of front-loading some of the ones with connections because, you know, it's something that we can more easily kind of latch on to, and, um, and also, you know, sometimes in the example of Lorsanteca, for example, we've already seen him kind of have a little cameo like talking about the the high republic era so it makes sense that they would you know fill out that detail sooner than later because we already got a little glimpse um in the rise of kylo ren about how lor santeca was related to that but anyway you know i don't think it's it's cause for concern that they're just going to end up sticking with the same families over and over again i i think it's just kind of how they're deciding to roll out um information about this which as we know you know that this was supposed to come out um when was it like this week like now the first book so they weren't planning on doing a months and months and months of uh you know slowly revealing characters and stuff that wasn't the plan until it got postponed during the um due to the pandemic at which point they said you know they're going to continue to release information just to you know probably keep people interested and make sure we don't forget about it so um yeah anyway um definitely a few little interesting tidbits for us now, the last thing I wanted to mention on this very hodgepodge um, type episode is um, the Afra audio drama. So uh, I have been listening along to this. I've been really enjoying it. Um, it's covering a lot of what we already knew of Afra's story from her original comic line, but it is filling in a lot of details. Um, I have not read the original line in a while. I was kind of reading it as it was coming out, and that was a while ago, and so I don't remember everything that we learned about Afra. but I definitely feel like a lot of the parts about her backstory that we're getting in the audio drama are, are new or just filling it out more completely about her relationship with her with her parents, um, about her relationship with Sana Staros, as I mentioned earlier on this episode. Um, we are getting, um, you know, j- just I feel like more of her of her backstory kind of explained to us. It's also interesting because, you know, I just reviewed the first comic in the new series recently, and Afra's become kind of a you know, almost a good guy, not quite a good guy, but definitely not a villain. And it's interesting to go back and kind of rehear her story. Um, And I should mention that the audio drama is all from her perspective. It's like she's telling the story to you. And that does separate it from the recent audio drama that we got about Count Dooku. You know, that was um, kind of more told from a variety of perspectives. This one is definitely all from Alpha's perspective. Of course, there are other characters, and they're all voiced by a, a full cast, um, but the narration and everything and, you know, the story in general is all from her point of view. So that also kind of gives us a somewhat sympathetic, you know, look 
at things, um, even more so, I think, than in the comics, where, you know, the comics, obviously, we can get some thought bubbles and get her kind of talking to herself, you know, just to explain some of her thinking on things. But in the in the audio drama, we really get the full, um, you know, the, the full picture of what she's thinking as she goes along. For example, as she's working with Vader, we really see that, you know, she is genuinely curious about him, afraid of him, but kind of just views him as any other dangerous um, obstacle that she would face. And so it's not really about admiring Vader or um, agreeing with Vader or... Uh, on the other hand, also not like, you know, being afraid because he's evil. It's more just like, this is just another hazard that comes with her work. That's kind of how she, she views Vader, um, which I think is, is interesting. Um, it's also, I realized, you know, it's funny to read a, or to listen to an audio drama about characters that have previously only appeared in comics, because typically I, I uh, listen to an audiobook. So, you know, if a book comes out and it has existing Star Wars characters in it, whoever's doing the voice work is going to try to, you know, approximate that voice. If there are new characters in the book, then whoever's recording that book is going to make up the voices for that character. And it's going to be the first time, like, that I'm reading the character. Like, I'm, I'm also hearing it because I, I'm, I don't read the books and then listen, right? I always listen. This is the first time in a while for Star Wars that I've read something first with new characters and then listened to someone else portray their voice. And it made me realize that I've already developed all of their voices, like, in my head, how they would sound. And I have to say that Afra is like exactly as I would have imagined her voice. It's like perfectly, like exactly in tune with what I have in my mind. Um, Sana Staros is probably the weakest voice for me so far because it just, she sounds, I don't know, maybe it's because so far in this, you know, we've, we've been getting flashbacks. She's younger. She's not as jaded, but it just sounds um, a little bit more of like a, like a light, happy voice than I was expecting. Um, and the funniest one for me has been, um, has been triple zero because I realize now having listened to the audio drama that in my head, he always had the exact same voice as C-3PO, which is kind of awesome. Like I, the idea that he is a sadistic psychopathic robot, um, who has the same voice as C-3PO was for me always um, something that I didn't even realize I was doing, much less realized how much I enjoyed it um, when I was reading through the comics. And now um, we have a different voice actor who definitely has a similar kind of like British butlery type tone, but definitely, you know, not not an imitation of C-3PO or Anthony Daniels. Um, and it, it's distinct. So that's the one voice where I'm not sure, you know, when I go back and read the comics, obviously in the new line of Afro comics, we don't see triple zero in the first issue. I don't know if he's coming back or not. So it may not matter too much for me because I may not be, you know, reading a lot from his perspective. But uh, if I do, I'm going to have to see if my own my own voice in my head changes to match this new one or if I'm going to to stick with my own interpretation, which is just, you know, uh, evil C-3PO because that's how, how I've been approaching it myself. Um, we did get a little bit of um, some info on, um, on, on the Comic-Con panel for the Dr. Afra book as well, just kind of looking um, into how they did it and, um, and how they went about it. Um, and so um, that's definitely an interesting read if you go over to StarWars.com and check that out just to get into a little bit of um, 
you know, the, the process and everything. They definitely talk here about, you know, how some of the stuff, as I mentioned with Sanastaros, is kind of new to this. Um, they also talk about how they uh, ended up doing um, voice work for this at home um, in some of the cases because it was happening during the, the pandemic. So yeah, it's an interesting kind of look into, into how they went about making this. It's only the second time that they've done this. Dooku was the first one. Now there's this one. I hope that they're successful and that they keep doing them because it really is cool to listen to something with a full voice cast and it just moves at a much different pace because you're not reading narration. Well, I will definitely report back when I finish listening to the audio drama, but that's about all the time that I have to um, to do this podcast. And as I said, I know that we're going to be getting more information very soon um, about the new VR game, and I'm going to want to cover that right away since Star Wars VR is one of my favorite things. I've already covered, uh, covered that, and... Um, so I am going to end this podcast so I can go wait for that new news to come out. And I will probably have a second podcast up relatively uh, quickly here in the week. So thank you for listening. I hope that you'll subscribe if you haven't already. And tune in next time for more info, this time on Star Wars VR.